if you've been listening to the delivery charge podcast chances are that you remember these chants they were recorded on june 10th of 2021 by berlin's anarchist radio at one of the protest demonstrations organized outside one of the gorillas warehouses in berlin a worker named santiago had been fired and a work stoppage was in progress so why are we here today <laughs> Uh, we are here today because uh, yesterday in Checkpoint Charlie, in the warehouse of Gorillas in Checkpoint Charlie, one of our colleagues, one of our riders, was fired without any reason, without any receive any warning. After we've been told, we've been told for all the managers and all the supervisors, we're going to receive free warnings before to be, uh, get fired. And yesterday, without no reason, without explanation, one of our colleagues got fired. So um, that was at noon, I think like at one, something like that, and we designed an assembly, the workers in that uh, warehouse, to stop. Stop working that day because we was feeling really bad. It was a guy who really appreciated in the warehouse, uh, not only the riders, also like the pickers and also the supervisors, because the decision came from the office, didn't came from the from the from the from our worker place, our worker place. Gorillas is an on-demand grocery delivery company. Its services arrived in Berlin soon after pandemic control measures were imposed in the city in 2020. Gorillas deliver groceries in minutes. So instead of going to the supermarket, you can get on with whatever you'd rather be doing, like self-care, caring for others, going viral, anti-viral, making the first move. Users could order groceries through the Gorillas app, and the company would then deliver them to the user's doorstep. To deliver groceries quicker than it would take someone to visit the supermarket to buy them. Gorillas opened a network of warehouses in cities like Berlin. Orders are processed at these warehouses by workers called pickers and delivered to users by another set of workers known as riders. In early 2021, Gorillas was valued by its investors at over a billion US dollars at the same time that many workers of the company complained of delays in getting paid and about illegal deductions in their pay. You know this from the first episode of this podcast. You also know how its workers organized in Berlin during 2021 to constitute for the company a works council. A works council, known in Germany's labor law as a Betriebsrat, is an institution that gives the workers some voice in the affairs of the company or organization. On April 1st of 2021, three workers from one Gorillas warehouse posted a letter across several internal communication channels of the company this letter invited all the workers of gorillas to a general assembly to elect a wahlvorstand or an electoral council it would be the job of this electoral council to conduct the elections to constitute a betriebsrat this letter therefore was the first in a set of procedural steps that would lead to the formation of a betriebsrat And in the first episode of the Delivery Charge podcast, you also learnt about the highly contested events of June third, when the General Assembly was convened to elect an electoral council. Santiago's firing took place just eight days after the electoral council had been elected. One of the workers present at the demos and work stoppages in response to this firing was Ronnie. Ronnie is an engineer from Kerala in India who moved to Berlin in 2019. for better economic opportunities i didn't really believe it i would say like i didn't expect this to happen in uh, germany like 
seriously uh, 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 like not paying the workers i thought there might be some legal uh, uh, complications for the company if you don't pay a worker <laughs> later i realized actually the company uh, company is really protected ronnie would soon meet the activists who had organized under the name the gorillas workers collective they were uh, talking to workers um, then yeah they talked to me as well like uh, fernando talked to me uh, i was like uh, yeah about time i'm like yeah let's do something i'm like this is ridiculous because i really like the work uh, place my colleagues i didn't want to leave because the colleagues were amazing i'll be very honest like in my previous job i was like a, a senior product development engineer uh it is so much better it was so much better than working in a, a office because like there was no competition everyone is riders <laughs> like no one gets more not a single penny more than you everyone makes the same uh, salary and everyone's condition is such shit so yeah then uh, at this time when he approached me i'm like i said yeah about time man i'm like seriously on june 10th of 2021 Anarchist Radio interviewed one of the initiators. Initiator is a legal bureaucratic term used to refer to the people who initiate the process of electing a Bedrits Rat. In this case, she was one of the three people who had signed the letter dated April 1st of 2021, inviting all of Gorilla's workers to a general assembly to elect the Walforstand. This company is a majority made up of people that are not from the EU, not from Germany. A lot of the people that work here are from the global south from central and south america from south asia to so the question that we just witnessed another symptom of how did you get so strong yeah so it really it was sparked by a people that were friends of santi at charlie and those who were outside of their 6 month probation period felt safe enough to say that we're not going to do orders and so a group of people did that and word got around and we got we got we heard about it and so a bunch of people from the collective and our alliances with FAU and other writers all came and as well as like the Berlin Tech Workers Coalition um, and they have resources and accesses to media and things like that so we just um, started putting more pressure on the company and a bunch of writers were texting their friends and we were putting call outs on writer channels and our own like guerrilla workers channel where which we use to inform workers of their rights and things of that sort and that's how it got started but even though we like me as a member of the workers collective it's not just about us showing up it's about this is a great opportunity to meet my and our fellow workers and create relationships where we're We work at one warehouse and we're spread out all over the city and so we don't always get a chance to meet each other and talk to each other and learn about like each other's problems and issues within the company. Yeah, because we all face the same similar repression and some some warehouses more than others, some management are more um, abusive uh, and toxic than other warehouses. And so And did it work well? Like, did the, what do you think that is something that happened today that you got got in contact with other workers and had a chance to to connect to each other? Yeah, today, yes. Um, but especially yesterday too. Like, I now would consider like I have relationship with the people that like started the 
the Wildcat strike yesterday. And I'm really grateful to have connected with them and that we share the same like solidarity of like today, tomorrow, the day after we could all get fired and how we're just seen as tools in the machine, as I think I said earlier. And we now have each other's back and can form a more larger group that fights for our rights with working in guerrillas. And I, I, I took it upon myself. I started to talk to workers, ask them their problems and uh, try to fav- figure out what they really need, uh, what kind of change they really want. And uh, most people were like, hey, there is no point in talking to management because we have talked a lot. The company responded to these protests and work stoppages by firing many of the workers who participated. By the, uh, I think after the, on the fifth day, we all started to receive uh, terminations. People started to receive terminations slowly, but by the fifth, uh, everyone got terminated. So yeah, that was the uh, end of the strike, I guess. Like uh, that was how the strike uh, uh, took place. And they, I think it was the first massive firing in uh, delivery industry. You're listening to Ronnie on the third episode of Delivery Charge. This is a podcast about platform delivery workers organizing for fairer conditions of work in Germany, where I live, and in India, where I'm from. My name is Aju John. In the first two episodes of this podcast, we learned about delivery workers organizing in Berlin at Gorillas, Flink, and Lieferando. One notable aspect of their organizing activity were the sometimes parallel campaigns to establish Betriebsrats at these companies. For many of the worker activists that we met on these episodes of the podcast, Germany's works constitution law, the Betriebsverfassungsgesetz, gave the difficult process of organizing workers a measure of stability. It could protect some worker activists against retaliatory firings and provide them with financial resources. We also learned about how, in October of 2021, Gorillas fired many of its riders in Berlin for participating in wildcat strikes. The term wildcat strike indicates that these were work stoppages that had not been specifically authorized through the mechanisms provided for it under law. While those actions were supported by the riders who organized themselves as the Gorillas Workers Collective, that alone was not enough to protect participating riders against being fired by the company. The Gorillas Workers Collective was a group of workers in the company, perhaps even an entity that could represent some workers before the company. But 
it was not a union in the sense that the term is understood under Germany's law. To understand the position of such groups of workers in the German system of collective bargaining, we turn once again to someone we have met frequently on this podcast, Dr. Eva Cocker. Uh, well, there is a fundamental right um, in German law that's uh, very relevant for collective bargaining. Um, it's a norm, it's, it's Article 9 of our basic law, of our constitution, and it's formulated very loosely. It basically says something about the right of freedom of association, that means the right to create a trade union and to work in a trade union, but it has been used and it has been interpreted quite widely. So now it covers collective bargaining and it covers the right to strike. Um, so that's one very important article in our constitution. Um, the, the collective bargaining, there's also an act, um, and the collective bargaining is considered something of the, the main pillars of the German labor law system and German labor law and po social policy. Because most of the labor law comes out of collective bargaining in one way or the other. So many of the rules we now have in labor law have been invented by collective bargaining. So, um, well, yeah, that's, that's more or less the, the framework of the collective bargaining. We have this act on collective bargaining, um, uh, which basically tells us which kind of organizations um, are um, incapacitated in for collective bargaining. So, for example, um, the courts would say that you have to have some kind of social power um, to be a trade union and to be a, a partner of collective bargaining. The idea behind that is that um, if uh, you are an employee organization, employee representative, without any social power, you will not be able to negotiate and to bargain on an equal level with the employers association. So um, you will have a collective agreement that uh, does not really reflect the interests of the employees. And because collective agreements are so important in the German labor law system and are privileged in a way, the law tries to make sure that these collective agreements really reflect the interests of the employees. So that's why we say they have to have some social power um, yeah, that's more or less even the formula in German social power. What are the rules that uh, have been developed to determine whether uh, a representative organization has sufficient uh, social power? Um, that's, uh, the rules for uh, determining if an organization has collective power have been developed by the courts. Uh, so it's more or less a case law development. Um, and uh, well, there are some factors uh, that go into that. One is um, the percentage of employees um, that are members of the trade union, um, because um, the law thinks uh, those people who are members of the trade union are the ones who can be mobilized in a fight. Um, because social power uh, means effectively that an organization can mobilize its members in order to force the employers um, to um, accept uh, what they want. 
Um, and that's the link between collective bargaining and the right to strike. Um, the right to strike uh, is considered an instrument in collective bargaining. And uh, so an, an, an organization that has social power would be an organization that is able to mobilize its members um, in a strike movement. So that would be uh, one of the most important indicators. The courts used to say we also can look at the history of what they have done, if they have reached some collective agreements, but you have to have a, and get a very close look at uh, the kind of collective agreements that have been reached because um, it may also be in the interest of the employers to get a collective agreement because the collective agreement is so important uh, in the German system and it is privileged. Um, Sometimes it's also privileged above the legislation. You, uh, the, you can do some things that you, uh, by a collective agreement that an employer could not do by him herself. So that's why employers may have an interest in collective agreements and the law has to make sure that the collective agreement is not dominated uh, by the employer, that um, there are uh, the employee interests reflected in it. So that's mainly the issue. We, we look at um, the, uh, um, the percentage of employees in the of, of the employees that are covered uh, by the collective agreements um, and are members of the trade union. You spoke about the right to strike as well. Can you explain, um, you know, what are the other conditions that uh, an organization with sufficient social power has to fulfill in order to be able to call a strike? What are the other rules? Well, the, the right to strike is also a fundamental right um, in German law. It's the same norm, it's the same Article 9, um, uh, Section 3 of, 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 the, of the Constitution that establishes also the right to strike. That's the way it has been interpreted. Um, and, well, in the early years of the... Of, um, the 1950s, when this... Um, when the courts started to develop uh, their um, ideas on the right to strike, um, they were very resistant against the right to strike. So uh, the court said, well, it's undesirable to have a strike. Um, and um, the rules uh, started uh, off being quite strict. There was a major decision by the Federal Labor Court in 1980 and that changed the framework very considerably because from then on the courts did no longer say it was undesirable but to the contrary. Um, since 1980 the labor courts say and also the federal constitutional court they say without the right to strike collective bargaining would be collective begging. So this was the first time this term collective begging was used in German law uh, in, a, in this very famous decision and uh, it more or less establishes that the strike is um, an instrument and uh, a very important instrument um, in collective bargaining. However, there's another side of the coin. Um, this decision was very open towards strikes uh, because it said, it, we need it in collective bargaining, 
But the other side of the coin is um, that it establishes the right to strike only in the context of collective bargaining. And that's where many of the restrictions on the right to strike follow um, in German law. It is not very clear if um, the right to strike really asks that an organization have social power already. So uh, some people say, oh yes, the person, uh, the organization needs to have social power in order to um, instigate a strike. Uh, but others say, oh no, the organization is maybe building social power in the course of a strike. And uh, we only need it for collective agreement and not for the strike. Um, but that's a very sophisticated uh, discussion. <laughs> the, the main restriction that follow from this um, uh, interpretation of the right to strike as an instrument and nothing more of collective bargaining, that means that an organization can only call for a strike if this is in the context of collective bargaining, which means that uh, the courts consider protest strikes or strikes for um, legislative reforms. Um, they consider these as um, illegal. And they also consider uh, any strike that is um, uh, not led by a, by a trade union in the context of collective bargaining as illegal. There's also a, a consequence for public servants, uh, a certain group of pu public servants in Germany, Beamte. Um, their um, working conditions are governed by legislation and not by collective agreement. So these persons would not be able to use the right to strike because there's no collective bargaining for their working conditions. It's legislation. In the 80s, um, there, there was a discussion if um, a trade union could also instigate a strike while um, negotiations, while the bargaining was still going on. But the courts have then ended up saying, if the trade union is of the opinion uh, that the strike is needed now to further bargaining and to further negoci negotiations, uh, that would be fine. That's what we call uh, a warning strike, uh, Warnstrike. So um, th that is accepted. Um, some courts have said, oh, we need to have a look at the proportionality of the strike, uh, which is a, a strange thing and which has been very disputed. But the Federal Labor Court hasn't really used it as a strict uh, proportionality principle. The Federal Labor Court rather says if the trade union has a, a certain um, has the the power to decide and and they know best um, what is. Um, necessary for the specific um, situation. They have a certain discretion um, on um, deciding what is necessary in a specific situation. So only if this is very obvious that there was a strike uh, without any necessity, the courts may um, may go into this and, and forbid it. But still, as it is a case law, you can never be too sure how a specific court would decide. But in general, the courts have uh, given this power to decide over procedures and anything to the trade unions um, and their bylaws. 
and uh, have um, put some trust into them. You're listening to Dr. Afa Cocker on the Delivery Charge podcast. Dr. Cocker is a professor of law at the Center for Interdisciplinary Labor Law Studies at the European University in Frankfurt Oder. My name is Aju John. The Gorillas Workers Collective was not a union in the sense that the term is understood in the German system of labor relations and collective bargaining. Workers organizing as part of such worker collectives are therefore not always protected against retaliatory measures taken by the employer. The entire process of worker organizing other than through unions and especially using strategies that call for strikes and work stoppages is therefore fraught with peril. Um, I, uh, initially, I think uh, my app got, uh, what you call that, uh, deactivated. So that was uh, kind of how everyone was getting uh, to know that app, uh, their app was deactivated. Then I got a letter uh, specifically saying that uh, you are fired because of striking. So yeah, then later <laughs> I got a letter just as a preventive measure. We are firing you on the basis of probation as well because they were unsure if they could uh, fire me uh, due to the strike as well. So either way, I was within within the six months, yeah, period. Yeah, I'm like, I I didn't really care. I'm like, this is not like a, what do you call that? Not working as a vice president for Elon Musk. (laughs) It's a tighter job. And by that time, there was enough other companies like uh, Gettier came in, uh, Flink came in. So many other companies came. came. So I immediately, within two days, I got a job in uh, uh, Gettier. Who joins these companies? A student who comes from uh, India, he immediately need to start working. Like as soon as he reaches uh, here, he immediately need to start working because uh, thousand euros. Is, you know how how much worth thousand euros is in India? Like the entire family can easily live uh, uh, with this thousand euros in India. So it's a big amount, and they need that much to survive. So uh, not everyone is so uh, rich to manage their uh, expenses here without working. So. Uh, so they start working they realize these things uh, later so even people were getting double debited double debited means like uh, the company is taking the money so the company takes half the uh, pays half the uh, health insurance uh, and even though the company is uh, debit, uh, debiting uh, taking that money uh, they are unaware they are they, they are not diligent enough to understand the pay slip uh, in uh, a german pay slip so they don't really because there is a lot of st- stuff in it and they don't really understand okay which has been taken which has been uh, which money is being taken from your bank account okay either way but they think that or they they don't even know that the company is paying uh, the health insurance they were promised uh, but they they didn't realize it so uh, later i think uh, yeah maybe i started uh, um, asking for my health insurance problems uh, with I think he was the operations manager. He was our store manager as well. Uh, so I told him. Then that's when people approached me. Hey, is it true? Like uh, health insurance, uh, it's paid when the company is paying it. We don't have to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Then then people started asking. Uh, another thing was like hours were missing. Like in Kitia, that's another thing. Like uh, number of hours are uh, were missing. If uh, like full timers, they would work for like maybe. Uh, full timers they would uh, 
work for maybe uh, 160 hours and uh, then uh, their number of hours will be 120 like uh, part timers doesn't face such a problem this is like uh, people think that it's a mistake but it's not a mistake it's carefully done by the uh, company uh and uh, yeah uh, so they get paid less then they get paid after two weeks they raise their complaint uh, then they get paid after two weeks or maybe not so this was kind of like a again uh, another thing this companies do is like normalize these issues where will they go they will go from getier to gorillas which is even shittier from gorillas to fling which is like the worst uh, in my like uh, as far as i've talked with workers so yeah uh, so i uh, in getier like yeah i was trying to uh, help workers like with respect to this hey this is uh, your right you you can get this you have to get this uh, health insurance paid and if your money is been missing you can do uh, at that time uh, there was this uh, you know about suyo boss uh, the blog yeah so uh, i was uh, sending them these links because it was really hard for me to explain everyone so whoever uh want could understand i would send them this uh this uh link uh, so that they can get their money back but always the best easiest way was to scream at your managers and get the, get your money back but at that time get your really needed riders they just started yeah this was one of the major problem at that time bikes were really nice like they were using a company's bike called uh, the company's name was bond and uh, these bikes were really good really fast as well uh but they stopped it uh, they started to bring in uh, some co- uh, bikes called beamers which is like lightweight uh, like uh, i don't know uh, very lightweight bikes uh, which uh, which is very hard to uh, which is very wobbly very hard to drive uh, like uh, if you have a fast moving car next to you uh, the bike might shake plus we didn't carry the ba- uh, 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 groceries in our bag there was a ba- grocery bag but so the lightweight bike with a heavy grocery would shake like crazy so yeah that was the stuff plus another thing uh, with Gur- uh, getier was they would request uh, or force the workers to work maybe one hour longer like uh, so uh, part, even part time students they are not supposed to do that but they would force them to uh, work hey can you work like uh, one more hour uh then yeah you can, we'll reduce it from your uh next week or something like that which never happens if you don't work you get a warning for refusal to work so yeah this was the uh, conditions in uh, get here which was really really uh, pathetic i would say like much more pathetic than uh, gorillas uh, the conditions the uh, place where the riders sit the it was dirty and uh, yeah the another thing like uh, there was no cleaning uh, yeah there is a cleaning person uh, it's 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 a grocery store you must understand there was a, it's a grocery store the cleaning person would come only once or twice in a week rest of the time the toilet and all those kind of stuff uh, the managers asked the uh, pickers to do it pickers because see the pickers uh, they become uh, shift leads and they have a higher chance to become managers and get their visas so pickers are m- much more uh, what do you call that prone to uh, abuse uh, I-, i call this abuse work abuse uh, like uh, they they have to literally please their managers to become managers 
they so they were they were asked to uh, clean the toilets and i used to tell them i'm like uh, you don't have to do that cleaning toilets is a what do you call it it's a super cleaning job like uh, it's 19 euros per hour tell them to pay you the money okay pay me the money i'll clean like you're paid uh, 12 11 euros uh, for pickers and you have to do uh, clean the toilets which is not your job your job is picker uh, picking uh, there was a time when uh, people were not uh, paid the people were paid half of their salary like everyone got a uh, less salary and everyone really got angry and they just stopped working they just logged off from the uh, portal and they just left home we are saying we are not working anymore they just left home uh, I, i don't exactly remember the uh, date uh, but it happened uh, i was on a ride i came when i came back okay yeah like i i am surprised uh, i was surprised because it was the most dedicated employee uh, in my warehouse uh, we used to say that it's her family uh, business she used to like love this company she was from sri lanka like uh, we used to say like it's a family business and like even the manager she she cares more than the manager she would scream at the manager if manager does something wrong because no this is not like she was so dedicated she was the one leading it like she was like na we are so i'm not working anymore like uh, so which was really inspiring for other workers as well they like everyone stopped working uh, and uh, they left but they uh, kind of like uh, the managers uh, or the uh, operations manager they came and they give, they give this what you call that false uh, hope saying that hey we'll make it try right. this won't happen anymore so getty was really intimidated by this i guess and they thought there might be something similar to Uh, gorillas that can happen in gatier which is uh, bad for the company uh, bad in the sense like uh, bad for their uh, violating uh, workers rights so uh, they there was this uh, two franchise development managers so they kind of like uh, uh, initiated this uh, uh, what do you call that uh, workers council uh, it's called uh einladung von betrips walforstand for sound law the lack of legal protection to the organizers of strikes that are organized without the blessings of a conventional trade union stacks the deck against people like ronnie at getir who were organizing outside of the union framework on the other hand the betrips for fasungs gazettes Germany's works constitution law as we have seen previously on this episode is perceived as offering a measure of stability to workers who want to organize in this fashion the right to assemble to talk to your colleagues and to make plans these are the rights that according to Moritz a worker who was elected to the works council at Lieferando in Berlin and whom we heard from in the previous episode of this podcast that make the betriebs for fasungs gazettes so empowering for precarious workers in Germany Members of a betriebsrat have termination protection as do some workers who participate in some of the procedural steps that lead to the constitution of a betriebsrat. 
But it is not a foregone conclusion that every attempt to establish one would benefit the workers. Nothing made this clearer than the events of April 2022. Getir may have been a new entrant into the Berlin market, but it was the largest and oldest of all the companies in the city's quick commerce segment. Founded in Turkey in 2015, by March of 2022, it had been valued by investors at 12 billion US dollars. Even by a conservative estimate, it was at least 10 times as valuable to investors as Gorillas was at that time. In April 2022, Ronnie became aware of a call for a general assembly to elect a Wahlvorstand or an electoral council. Remember, this call is the first step, as required by the Betriebs Gazettes, to elect a Betriebsrat. Ronnie and other rider activists had no problems in concluding that these notices were part of an attempt to impose a Betriebsrat from above. One of the initiators was a franchise development manager, not a rider, not a picker, not a warehouse manager, but someone several rungs above them in the organizational hierarchy. Getier's management had evidently learned from the campaign by the workers to establish a Betriebsrat at their competitor Gorillas. This notice called for a general assembly to be held on May 2nd. For a worker-friendly electoral council, workers like Ronnie, who organized under the banner of the Gettier Workers Collective, had to mobilize their colleagues to attend the assembly. See, to communicate to workers, it's very easy in these companies. Because everyone's conditions are like uh, really, really bad. Like they have uh, issues with um, salary payments and... Uh, like visa situations like promised visa situations and all those kind of stuff so what we tell them is like a truth like hey a company like is trying to like a uh, uh, company is trying to like uh, uh, take over the workers council so if t- if the company takes over like workers council what what can workers council do like uh, workers council can help uh, the worker like if a worker has a problem like uh, he he can file a uh, lawsuit, or he can file a lawsuit. Or uh, first first stage when you have a workers council is that the workers council can bring this issue like a salary payment, like uh, for a period of like three months you are being uh, getting underpaid. He can take this issue. The the workers council can take this issue to uh, the company. Uh, and if the company is not willing to change, the workers council can itself like. Uh, give him a, law, a lawyer like uh, they basically the company pays for his uh, he doesn't have to pay for the lawsuit company pays for it so uh, that's how workers council can help but basically it won't go there if there is a workers council uh, most probably the company will abide by it. most probably the company will abide by it there are ways companies can union burst as well but what we are saying is that hey we are riders. We we are the uh, uh, larger population of workers who's been uh, the underpaid, who's been like uh, the lowest paid workers, and we are the backbone of these companies. So it is essential that we should be in the workers' council because we are the most affected uh, people. If I have to uh, speak to Indians, like uh, Indian, uh, when I say Indians, let's say Desis, like Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi people, the problem is that. <laughs> They don't believe in uh, workers' councils or uh, the equivalent to a workers' council is like the uh, 
uh, trade unions or, or the uh, the political organizations uh, intc the, are are these uh, uh, trade unions i don't i don't really know about it so in in our country and which is which are hopeless which are completely hopeless in uh, our countries so for them uh, okay the pro main problem is hey is it something like this if it's something like this we don't really want to be a part of it is it political we don't want to be a part of it obviously we, we are not supposed to be as migrants to uh, be a like in a political uh, what do you call that no uh, interfere in the political aspects and uh, we tell them yeah in germany it is different like basically this is an autonomous company internal but autonomous body it's it has no political uh, support it's not related to a trade union it is completely us it's our work our workplace is our family and we are organizing like so the, that's what we tell these people with german people uh, so there is uh, like there are people who are like completely against it like uh, they maybe their family members were in uh, some trade unions they, uh, they were in trade unions they or they faced issues from trade unions or they were in workers council they know about it and they don't really want to be a part of it like they just don't want to be a part of it so those people i'm like uh, there is no way changing these people so we tell them hey would be nice if you guys show up but uh there are other uh, people like uh, even germans who uh have heard about it but never been a part of it uh but yeah they uh, so these are people who are curious uh like um, uh plus chances of them uh, like uh, chances is less because they always have an option to find another job they can always because they are german native speaking they can find a new job so one response that we get is that hey why should i go through all this trouble i can just find another job it's no big deal for me but if we like uh, manage to go forward with it we tell them hey we need your support as workers we are your colleagues like uh, i think it is uh, fair to ask for your support uh, to help us in this endeavor because we don't have much options other than these companies uh, to work for so it would be nice like during your if it's like you don't uh, uh, you don't have a uh, what you call that a problem finding another job uh, just show up for the uh, meetings which is not too much of uh, time from your life we are asking like yeah like uh, that that's the way how we motivate uh, people like uh, germans uh, that's that's germans uh, europeans uh, like uh, people from spain i think the uh, uh, yeah people who understands the uh, dignity of a labor it's really easy like uh, yeah end of the day we can just say that like uh, it's easy to uh, convince these people and yeah some sometimes uh, we can't really convince everyone and that's 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 the whole idea of organizing like uh, uh, when we st uh, strike as well it's not like i want to strike what does the workers want what does the group wants what is the majority of the people want that's what they want that uh, that we need to take into consideration you're listening to ronnie on the delivery charge podcast
This podcast is supported by MS Marian Artagon International Center of Advanced Studies Metamorphoses of the Political or ICAS MP which is an Indo-German research collaboration of six Indian and German institutions funded by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research. My name is Ajay John. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. You can visit these platforms and search for the Delivery Charge podcast. If you subscribe to the feed, then you will be notified when a new episode is released. May 2nd came around. That was the day on which some senior employees at Getir had called a general assembly to elect an electoral council. So I request you ask yourself who do you want to be in the electoral council? Do you want a one of the management guys or do you want a real worker who's the backbone of this company who's been working day and night in harsh weather? The biggest challenge facing Ronnie and his colleagues from the Getir Workers Collective was that they had no control over how the assembly would proceed. Yeah, agenda of the meeting was it was mentioned in the invitation, uh, but yeah, uh, that's that that was the idea. Whole idea was to take control, like uh, uh, to take the uh, uh, house of chair means to take the control of the meeting and uh, just yeah, the inviters invitees uh, have a lot of like invitees have uh, it's called house right house right. uh till the time the uh, meeting begins so only after that we can say hey i want to challenge the uh, house of chair and uh, yeah that was the way to take control because see we can't win uh, even in election see to get elected you need uh, 50% and more so imagine you are fighting against the entire uh, managers from uh, germany that's how many people like uh, they the thing is they stopped they told them hey you are free you are uh, exempt from working and the stores were working like riders had to work people who had a shift had to work Com- like uh, they they were fo- uh, like uh, no communications were provided in the uh, uh, stores saying that hey this is general assembly you are you are more than welcome you are free to leave your work and come to this uh, meeting they don't do that they gaslight they keep uh, workers in the dark uh, and uh, do this they were planning to do it swiftly but we acted upon in one week trust me we had if we had more uh, time definitely we could have uh, won this election in one week how much states can you can cover so the, there was this lawyer i forgot his name he he was like uh, making the uh, he was doing the uh, talking so he talked he invited he said hi welcome everyone and uh, he said uh, uh, yeah so since we are the invitees we uh, we are automatically the uh, house of chair that's when i intervened and i said hey that's not true uh, 
if someone challenges it as per uh, law you are supposed to uh, conduct another election they refused immediately they refused i uh, they immediately refused uh, saying that uh, uh, no that's not true we can have the we have the house of chair then i uh, again i said i am nominating myself for uh, house of chair uh, who's there to support me so the all the 100 workers are like they started to say hey we need him as a uh, house of chair we need an election and all those kind of stuff so they refused they said we have to check with the uh, we have to check with the law books and i don't know some guy i didn't plan that guy some guy from the uh, among the people he said but you're a lawyer right you should know that so uh, trust me i didn't plan that guy it was really funny that really <laughs> so he went and he was like uh, looking into his books he was talking to his colleagues what to do how to manage his contingency so when this is happening uh, this they have this bullies they have this thugs they would come stand this close to your face and uh, uh, they would say i'm like what is your problem i'm like just let it go through it's already late what do you want to uh, delay this process any longer i'm like i'm saying i want to contest the uh, house right uh, i just want to contest uh, the and they say you can compete for the electoral council then i said no i have a problem with the electoral council you can this is completely illegal you cannot have this kind of uh, electoral council for an entire state entire country so yeah so that was one step then they agreed so we agreed for a show of hands and uh, it was first was actually there was another one more person as well uh, he was a rider leader he he really didn't know what what he was doing he just wanted to stand he stood there and i stood uh, i was the third person so we all spoke uh, for a few minutes then uh, he got like uh, around uh, maybe 20 votes or something like uh, second he barely got one vote uh, and i got a massive majority like even the people uh, who were like the store managers in berlin who were supposed to support him even they supported me uh, like uh, i got a massive majority of show of fans then i said okay now step down uh, i'm uh, uh, taking over the house of chair then they immediately the lawyer said no this is not okay uh, they immediately uh, kind of like again these thugs came in they said no 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 this is not okay we need to do another election and all those kind of stuff so we were not unable to count the number of votes for me so did you count the number of votes they disrupted it and but there was a massive show of hands everyone was like laughing <laughs> that he lost it uh, for a massive majority uh, so yeah that that was it then i said okay i don't care and then if you need a ballot election uh, let's do an anonymous ballot election they are not willing for doing the ma- ballot election so uh, because they know they will lose it in, in anonymous voting in like so they again like i think hours went uh, fighting against this like uh, i told him like uh, i am not willing for a no, uh, non anonymous uh, voting i said you agreed to it before then i said do you agree to the result you didn't agree to the result then i am not agreeing to this anymore let's have an anonymous things went uh, so stressful uh, yeah and uh, at some point i'm like a uh, uh, there was this uh, what do you call that uh, uh, many workers even uh, i didn't know them they were store assistants and they came to me and said tony you will win i'm like just go with the non anonymous elections and all those kind of stuff and my friends also the people were leaving uh, workers were leaving so i was like okay what to do this has to end somehow right this started this has to end somehow like 
then I thought I'm like anyway we are going to challenge it in court let's see it in court uh, then uh, yeah uh, I agree to uh, this uh, what you call that I didn't really agree but I didn't have an option uh, with this election but in this election it was uh, I didn't have much control because we had to stand and people had to vote in front of him like in front of the uh, franchise development manager that guy so in that process all the votes changed and people a lot of people left as well so yeah in that I think I uh, lost it by a few votes 15 votes or something I think I don't know I, I don't remember the numbers uh, but uh, yeah so yeah after that they were uh, planning to do their uh, um, uh, going forward with their elections uh, their strategy then I think uh, we I told the workers I'm like uh, the worker said okay we are not uh, being part of this illegal thing we are boycotting this and we are, we are leaving and uh, we thought we will have our uh, meetings outside to fight the elections uh, yeah and we went to another uh, Russell Luxembourg Stiknum and we had a meeting how to fight these things and all those kind of stuff like uh, yeah again see fighting this election is a big challenge you have to organize all over Germany like it's a, it's a, uh, so uh, we uh, we were hoping to win in uh, the, the court and then like throw this out in court which yeah which also didn't really happen so yeah plus after that i think after one month uh, after this uh, issue i got fired as well app got uh, my mobile app got uh, deactivated my shifts were uh, not available anymore so yeah then i got a what do you call that uh, a letter in my home yeah but i uh, challenged the my firing uh, no, no, firing you to uh, it was a massive firing. They were firing a lot of people uh, because the company was not doing good. That was the reason. Like because I was not under inside probation, I was out of probation, so uh, they couldn't fire me uh, for normal reasons. So the the reason was like company's economic problems. But yeah, I challenged it in uh, court. Uh, but I had to settle it. Like uh, end of the day, like uh, again, uh, it took like six or seven months for uh, six months to. Uh, reach a trial so uh, yeah I had to settle it by that time I was out of uh, gorillas I'm like I have to deal with my life as well so yeah that's a, that's the thing with the uh, the union bursting uh, in these companies uh, it's a, a really endless fight like a fight maybe to even to form a workers council you have to really invest like uh, two years of your life or something And so, at an assembly held at a small boardroom in the company's headquarters, where workers were required to cast their vote in full view of the managers present, the Getir Workers Collective failed to get what they wanted. Ronnie, who had been fired from Gorillas in 2021, was fired once again from Getir in 2022. Oguz Alianak, a postdoctoral researcher at the Fairwork Project at the Oxford Internet Institute, spoke to me about this setback. In in some ways, also the the election that they tried to have in 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 uh, on that summer day about two two and a half months ago, in some ways was was botched. Like there was union busting, like very clear happening in there. 
So, um, so I cannot say that it's, it's, it's a short, because they tried, they tried really hard. Like, you know, I cannot in any way undermine, you know, or say that it was a failed effort. Um, but in the end, what happened was, uh, and I think it's still going on, like the, the case ended up going to court. Like, I, I believe this is like where we are at. And when we say the case ended up going to court, it's not decided in a week. It takes sometimes like months sometimes like up to a year for the courts to come to a decision on issues like these. Um, so, but in, 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 in that case, you know, like once again, I don't want to say it's, it's a failure because I have, I know people who have worked so hard to organize other workers, but you know, we sometimes forget that, the worker body that we are t talking about in the in this economy is not your traditional, you know, worker body in a in a you know in a factory floor or in a you know in a in a traditional workspace that you expect to work for many years. Sometimes these are workers that are working there for a couple of months, maybe a couple of years. Like I have not seen anyone that's been doing deliveries for ten years. Like you know, then again, I've only been looking at this phenomenon for the last like year and a half, two years, perhaps like closely. Uh, but you know, I mean, there are workers that have been working like doing deliveries since the Fedora times, since, you know, um, since, uh, the, you know, 2016, 17 in, in Berlin, uh, sometimes with breaks, sometimes continuously. But, you know, when you are thinking about asking someone and like election time to come to election is paid time. Some of the workers don't know that. Some of the workers know it, but they're not interested in coming. So, you know, it, you're also dealing with, you're dealing with individuals at the end of the day who may not be interested in taking the time off to come and, you know, sign the ballot, uh, who may be against the idea of forming a works council. Oftentimes we also, you know, know that these platforms, the management has their own means of communicating Sometimes beyond the reach of the organizing body for the works council, because the management can simply send a mass email or a mass text to everyone saying, we don't think it's a good idea for, you know, a works council to form for these, these, these reasons. We believe that a works council, forming a works council is going to, uh, is going to create more trouble in, you know, in making work more flexible for you, et cetera. You know, like they, there, there are these like discourses that are out there um, in, you know, in, in, in terms of uh, discouraging workers to either go to elections. You know, they can't do it. Like they can't say you, you don't go to elections because that's illegal, but they can, you know, say, we do not look favorably to this because of these reasons. This is our stance on it, etc. cetera. So, um, so workers don't show up sometimes. Or, you know, the election process is not just a five-minute thing. Um, it takes like eight hours a day sometimes, you know, because there are also, you know, in the, in the beginning, they, there has to be explanations as to what we are doing, who we are, you know, what, what are the candidates, etc. So sometimes workers are not interested to be, you know, there from morning till night. Uh, so in, in the Getir one, for example, you know, some workers started leaving after a while. They're like, you know, when is this going to happen? Um, so that, you know, those are like, we often forget that, you know, the workers themselves 
are individuals who have who may also make choices, right? To either attend or not attend. Or they may not be interested in candidate list, maybe. Or they may not have been informed enough in the first place, in the first place of an election that's taken place. They may not know the candidates that are being elected. Or um, you know, those are those can be issues. So in the case of Gitir, uh, perhaps one of the reasons was that um, not enough workers did show up to be able to overwhelm that list because you know you were mentioning that why is it that you know there's so many workers that actually do the you know job out on the streets and you know, compared to less workers like working in the hubs or headquarters etc. You know then you know there was a failure I guess in that sense to organize the worker body, and this failure took place despite all the efforts of the organizers, you know, that basically went warehouse by warehouse, you know, like we're talking about people who got on their bikes, some of them not even from Gitir, you know, some of them just like community organizers or from other platforms that are interested in the cause, going, doing this like for free, going from warehouse to warehouse, talking to warehouse managers and to, to the, um, the workers that are working in the warehouse or doing deliveries coming back, etc. And telling them this is happening, please come. You know this is important for us. You know, as I mentioned, they may, despite all the efforts, they may not show up. Given everything that happened at Gitir, namely the attempt to foist a works council from above, should worker organizing at Berlin's platform delivery companies continue to focus their organizing energy into the establishment of works councils? In the first episode of this podcast, we encountered the criticism that the Gorillas Workers Collective had focused all their energies on establishing a works council and not enough on other forms of organizing outside the framework of the Betriebs for Fazl Gazettes. In the second episode, we heard from Moritz, who would be elected to the works council at Lieferando not long after the events at Getir on May 2, 2022. He argued that campaigns to form works councils are essential to stabilize worker organizing at Berlin's platform delivery companies. What other kinds are there? I mean, like, we're talking about Germany. This is the only way that you can go. Hubertus Heil uh, came, I remember, last year um, when Gorilla's workers were organizing and there were all the wildcat strikes happening, right? And wildcat strikes are illegal. <laughs> I mean, they are illegal in the sense that you need, like, once again, it's getting, it becomes sort of like Cash 22 kind of situation. You need a works council in order to have a strike. But, you know, if you don't really have a strike or if you don't really go protest out on the streets, then you're not going to make your voice heard enough that you actually get to that stage where you can have a works council. So it's like a vicious kind of like circle. Um, so, you know, in I think this is a discussion that should be had, you know, in the in, in the case of Germany of. Do we just pursue works council or can we think of alternative models of organizing? I cannot think like I. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of like a brain exercise. You know, you really have to sit and think about what other ways can the workers, um, you know, found represent the bodies that are not works council. Because in Germany, the law is set in the sense where you get a works council, then you get a union representation, then you can actually have bargaining power, then you can actually go on a strike, then you can actually have legal protection when you disrupt work or you know demand certain things or keep the company accountable for not providing you with you know a good workspace or you know timely pay etc so um 
Yeah, I mean, we need to have that discussion, but no one is having it at this point. And, you know, I think German politics, and it's not me saying this, and German labor law in general, like, I'm not a labor law expert. Don't, you know, I'm, I don't want to be quoted as, you know, oh, Zalina thinks that labor laws should be done, this and that. But like, these are workers that are saying it, that the German labor law is very archaic and very, um, um, like, you know, it really does not keep in consideration the changing nature of labor, changing nature of work. Um, but it's also very anti-worker, if especially in the case where you don't have a, already an established collective worker-represented body. And once again, we always I always make this comparison between more traditional sectors versus the platform economy. Like precarity is the same, issues are the same, you know, more or less. Sure, workspaces may look different. The type of work that's done may look different, but in the in that case, at least you know when you work, let's say the steel industry, you know you have big in big unions like IG Metall that you know that you can get you know representation and a large body of the workforce is is unionized in that sense. And you know these are big unions that are that have a lot of power to negotiate um, on on your behalf or to provide you with legal assistance. You know, in the platform economy, where none of that infrastructure is already set, even finding a you know lawyer to represent you, um, you know, they have them right now. They had them for a while. Many of them, like you know, really providing you know free pro bono or you know like you know very willing service to workers going to labor court. Like you know, um, so you know, kudos to them. They're doing a fantastic job. But you know, it it takes time. Uh, and many of the workers in this economy are not experts in German labor law. Um, and many of them are, many of them don't even speak German to start with, um, or, you know, speak not great German. I don't speak great German either. Um, so these are steps that they need to, many of them were steps that they had to learn by doing. So that's also one of like, they did not have, a piece of paper that explained to them what this process looks like or what their rights look like. Many of them had to people communicating with different stakeholders um, to, to get to that stage where they themselves became experts. They were the ones that taught me what things look like, right? You know, like I learned through them. They're my teachers in that sense. These workers are my teachers. That was Ogu Zalinak of the Fair Work Project. In the second episode of this podcast, we heard from Rob. At around the same time that Ronnie was organizing workers at Gettier to resist the company's imposition of a works council, Rob had called for a general assembly at Flink to elect an electoral council. Rob was a rider at Flink and his call was the first step of a procedure to conduct elections for a works council. I asked Rob why he felt that campaigning to establish a Batrips riot at Flink was the best course of action among all the options available to him. My first incentive was like, I, I didn't want to overly focus on the council side of it, that there's this uh, legal grouping that can exist. It was really an excuse to talk to people in other warehouses. So the, on that Wednesday, the 29th, I think it was, of June, um, when uh, me, the two inviters, a couple other people from Flink, um, is there anyone not from Flink who's joining us? Maybe one or two um, who went and talked to people at the, at the different warehouses. 
um, I asked a lot of people, are you getting paid enough? Are you getting enough hours? And like, I would tell them directly, like, here's how I did it in the same way that I would in my warehouse. But in this case, I just had no other way to reach them other than putting up an invitation and saying, oh, by the way, do you, do you need help with this? And the reason I did that was very concrete because I knew, like, I can't deal with the fact that so many people are not getting paid and maybe going to quit or being, you know, getting a really bad situation just because of something that's not their fault. And if I could help in some way, then of course I wanted to do that as, as quickly as possible. But it was also just, that's more real than this uh, like abstract council thing. Like this, this is a group of people who are here to help you and really get at the, the, the problems at Flink. There was a, um, this, uh, it's called an ops committee. There was a group of um, people um, appointed by um, regional management to be like a feedback group. And they um, would go around asking people about uh, their problems, collecting feedback. I don't want to speak about them too much. Um, I've heard some good things. I've heard some bad things about them. So, um, and I'd like to leave that aside. The only reason I bring them up is because I buy, it's, it's not their job to deal with something like this. Like if, if this is a tactic from Flink to save money by really like, what if we give everyone 10% fewer hours? Look, we save all of this money. It's, and if someone tells them that directly and they're reporting to regional management, it's not their job to fix that problem for you. And what I wanted to, the reason I wanted to talk about something is like, like money, which was kind of like hush hush, like, oh, you know, maybe you talk to your manager, but it's not something you're supposed to talk about in your group chat or something. The reason I wanted to talk about that is because, okay, but with this council thing, this is what we can talk about. We talk about the real issues that we're not, that are, that affect workers, that the managers are not incentivized to solve, that management is not incentivized to solve, that are actually, that they have an opposite, that they're benefiting at our expense. And this is the first time, whatever the, the, the German legal blah, blah, this is the point of a group like this. And so my main motivation was to just kind of like spread that idea to people. I should say that the, the whole time Flink is quite, um, I don't know what they expected or, or if they expected this or what, but at first they just really ignored us and didn't say anything. They didn't comment on it publicly. They, um, uh, yeah, like they, they replied to me because I sent some of the like formal emails like announcing this and stating our intentions and what their, what their responsibilities as a company were. Um, but they didn't say anything in the, in the warehouses. And at some point, I think, I don't remember the exact date. I think it was the, oh no, maybe I do, well, the 14th, 13th or 14th of July. Uh, so a week before the election, um, there was basically like a campaign <laughs> from Flink's side of things where these ops committee members who were sometimes known, sometimes no one had ever heard of them. It depended on the warehouse. Um, these giant posters went up with like their faces and their names and saying, contact them. And they're your representation at Flink. And they had something saying since April, 2022 to be like, they're older than this new thing. Like there were these big posters that went up everywhere. And um, there was a lot of internal communication going on about, about us to the shift leads and managers. 
Uh, and some of them was saying, was explaining the, what to do if these Flink people come to your warehouse and ask, ask to talk. And to, to Flink's credit, it was, all, it was mostly quite clear. It was you know, legally sound. Um, Flink had already shown in that message, based on their description of the upcoming assembly, that they intended to invalidate the results of the assembly, basically saying if anyone is against this or doesn't want it, then they can go to the assembly and vote and not vote, and that this is a way of making sure that no assembly will be elected. Um, which is not really true, <laughs> um, but it's kind of, it, Flink was showing maybe part of their, uh, their tactic. Um, but for our point of view, um, there was a lot of confusion with the ops committee. Like when we were, <laughs> when we were going to warehouses, people would be like, okay, because we have this uh, invitation on the wall, just a typical A4 black and white paper with our names and the date, but you know, just a legal thing. And then right next to it is now this giant poster with the ops committee. And people would be like, okay, but it, are they the same? Are they different? Like people just didn't know what was going on. And that was the main motivation we had to th say, okay, we need more time. Um, and we, we took down all the invitations and put up new ones for six weeks later, I think. Um, uh, and that didn't really, fun I mean, it was the same place. Uh, there were a couple of new names for, of, of the inviters, but everyone was kind of from the same uh, pool of people. Um, but it, was, it didn't change the, the, the organizing itself. It's still just talking to people. It's still just reaching out. Now there was a little bit more clarification of like, this is a company thing where they are working for regional management or they're working for management. Um, that's, the, that's who they report to. And we're an independent thing. We're all workers at the company, just like you. And this is German law provides something like this for us. At the, I, we, that for me was mostly a clarification thing, that these are different things. And if they want to still exist while there's a workers' council, okay, fine. That's up to Flink. There can be this other committee in addition to the council. But in that internal Flink uh, communication, they had, said, they had said at one point that the, uh, this ops committee will be dissolved if a workers' council is ever elected. That was apparently a clause in the contract. And I talked to some of them, and they didn't know about that. Um, and I mean, I'm not expecting them to. I'm sure it's like a long contract that this, this thing they signed. And they probably don't even know what, the, what is a workers' council like. But it's clear from the company's point of view that they're using, that, they're using this as a, something to block uh, a council. If the council exists, then it's like, well, then we don't need this anymore. It was just there to block the existence of a council. Um, again, I, was, I personally saw it more as a clarifying distinction, but it definitely turned into like a campaign between the two. I had people come up to me and tell me like, well, I'm with you, not with them, or like, I'm on your side. I had, a, I had one shift lead. I, I, the, someone was fired illegally, and I wanted to call the regional manager. Like I went to the warehouse, like, this is something, I, I only did it a couple of times, but I tried to think like, okay, well, you have firing protection if, if you're an inviter to this assembly. So I went to one of the warehouses to um, like kind of clarify this, like, hey, I'm coming in, I'm asking about this. Everyone's like, no one's giving a straight answer. What's going on? So I went in to call the, and they said, okay, we'll call the regional manager right now. I'll get him on the phone. And the shift lead 
said, she was explaining on the phone uh, in English, saying like, um, there's someone from the council. No, not our council, their council. <laughs> and then he, uh, she handed the phone to me, and the regional manager was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> he didn't know what was going on. But there was this clear, like, I don't know, division set up, which again, wasn't the intention. It was just, but it kind of turned into that. And yeah, I guess that's how these things go. And that's, that was certainly Flink's, uh, uh, Flink's intention. I mean, I, I haven't really talked about it. I don't want to too much, but it was really, really nasty what, what Flink did. Just complete character assassination uh, to me and to my colleagues, saying again and again that these people uh, want, like, don't care about you. They're out to like, make money for themselves and abuse the system and burn down the company. Um, uh, we, we, I, I heard that the, that the regional manager went to a warehouse and was telling people about us. This is before there was like a big public thing about it. And he was saying things like, they're a bunch of guerrillas, anarchists with FAU who want to burn the company down. And I, re <laughs> I realized like given the like, the, the Flink can just say that. There's managers, there's only a handful of us, and we go around and talk to people, and we're limited by our time. But Flink's message will get out there. You have managers telling shift leads, shift leads telling everyone, and every, you're working 40 hours a week. And of course, you'll hear, there'll be little conversations of like, you hear about this? Whatever Flink wants to say, it's going to get out there, and we can't compete with it. Oh, and, and anyways, I'm, I'm already worried, like how do you actually communicate all this legal stuff in the first place, you know? But at some point I realized, and I realized this when the regional manager was going around telling people that were um, uh, anarchists trying to burn the, the company down. I, I heard after he left that uh, someone, uh, at least some people who, who he talked to were like, I don't really know what this council thing is, but if, he's that angry about it, it must be good for us. <laughs> like, there's a sense, you can call it class consciousness, you can call it, I don't know. But it's, okay, I don't know what the biggest fight is about, but Flink seems to be on really one side and it must be good for us, or they must be doing something good. And I think you have to hope for that because you can't combat it with a, with a you know, the, the, the same, you don't have as loud of a, a microphone as the company does, you know? Especially in this decentralized thing, when there's so many contact points to managers and, and higher-ups. But at the end of the day, if you just believe in the fact that this com everyone knows how this company works, we make it clear that we're on the side of workers, then you just have to hope that that's enough. And usually it is. If, you're, if the organization, if the logistics are all taken care of, you know, and if, and if you're really on the side of the workers, but I think that's shown through, or that did shine through. Apart from the preemptive establishment of the so-called Ops Committee in early 2022, Rob and his colleagues faced several hurdles from the Flink management, some of them in the form of hearings at the Berlin Labour Court, even before the Betriebs Versammlung had occurred. When they asked for information that would allow them to limit entry at the event to workers alone, Flink cited concerns about personal data protection and refused to share that information. This refusal was one of the reasons that Rob and his colleagues postponed the event by a few weeks to September 5th. But then, the postponement itself became the grounds for the company's challenge to the Assembly's validity. To remind you once again, this Betriebs Versammlung or General Assembly is among the very first and necessary steps to be taken 
in order to establish a Betriebsrat or Works Council. Its purpose is to elect the Wahlvorstand or Electoral Council that will conduct the elections for the Works Council. Remember also that by the time this assembly happened in the first week of September, the management of Flick's competitor Getir had succeeded in capturing the Electoral Council at that company. Well, one difficulty in um, election is that it's really a complicated procedure. Um, so you need advice by trade unions um, um, in this um, election committee. And if you make a mistake, there is a danger of the employer um, questioning the constitution of the Works Council before the courts. Not every mistake will lead to a successful court action, so you may have a mistake that doesn't lead to um, the Works Council being questioned effectively, but still it's very complicated and that's why legislation has now tried to uh, uh, soften these rules, um, at least for smaller establishments uh, uh, where there are less people and maybe less expertise uh, in these issues and also to further um, the election of works councils um, in small and middle establishments um, um, because the number and the quota of um, works councils in German establishments has fallen. Um, and it is a very important instrument of German co-determination and cooperative uh, labor law structures. Uh, so the law has, legislation has tried to soften the strict procedural rules. Another issue is um, the actions of employers um, that fight actively against the constitution of works councils. Um, and um, that is um, really hard and it takes a lot of courage and persistence um, for employees to use the courts in order to enforce their right to create a works council. They can use the courts in order to do that, but as I said, if your employer um, is really an anti-trade unionist and anti-works council employer and is fighting actively against constitution, it is really hard process. It is also uh, penalized, um, so an employer who does such actions um, could also be uh, drawn before the a criminal court. It's a criminal action. Um, but it hasn't been done very often. The, um, well, neither the police nor the state prosecutors have really uh, put, in an, put an effort into uh, into, into criminalizing these criminal actions. And that's another issue for the legislature. Um, they have been trying to make this a bit clearer, that it's a criminal action to, uh, to fight against uh, works councils um, and to hinder uh, the constitution of a works council. I believe, <laughs> I suspect, that Flink suspected that this assembly would end without a council elected or with some kind of council elected that 
um, had no intention of carrying out the next elections. Um, and that didn't happen. And I think that they had to then shift gears and plan for how to sue us. On September 5th, as you can imagine, there was disagreement about who could enter and vote at the assembly. This was an echo of the events of June in the previous year at the Gorillas Batrips for Zamlam. Rob and his colleagues did not want management executives to be present. Christoph M. Kluger, an editor from the German newspaper Tagesspiegel, was present at the location. Here are some tweets from him that I have translated into English and edited for brevity. I quote, Who may vote? Controversial elections at the delivery service Flink. Some employees are not allowed to participate and stand outside. Organizers say they are executives. Election workers ask for employment contracts to decide who is allowed in. Some employees want to break through and are pushed back. At 8.11pm, when the election was completed, it had lasted more than 8 hours. At the last ballot, only about 30 voters were present. Stop quote. These events at the assembly then became the basis for lawsuits from the company's management that questioned the legitimacy of the Electoral Council. Rob was among those who had been elected to this body. From the first day after the assembly, um, I knew people were asking, hey, what was your feedback from the assembly? And people, I also heard people say like, hey, what am I supposed to say? Because I, it was great what, what you did, but if I tell my manager that, I'm going to get fired. Or even if I'm out of probation, if I tell my manager that, they're going to make my life hard. So it, it, it all goes like, so something else I, I, I tried to clarify with people is because some people were saying like, some people told me like, uh, like friends of mine or, or, or people in my warehouse or people I, I ran into or also via text. They'd say like, hey, I have to tell you something, they're going to sue you and so-and-so is doing it. Or like, they'd refer to certain people and they'd say, oh, so, such like other warehouse workers. They say, oh, they're talking to people trying to get uh, uh, people to, to um, you know, like, like testify against you. Not that, but like something like that, like collect reports. And I'm like, that's fine. But I'm like, <laughs> but I would tell them, I'm like, so-and-so is a bike delivery person. They're not a lawyer and they're not suing us. They might be doing this, but at the end of the day, they're also a worker. I'm not mad at them. It's the it's management that is, would rather spend however many euros an hour on this top uh, union busting law firm to sue us rather than just acknowledge us, rather than just work with this council, which again is the norm in most, in most large German companies. Like, it is the company's philosophy to do this, and we shouldn't be directing like, oh, so-and-so is, is, is not on your side, I, I just, want, I just want, want to let you know. And I'm like, I'm sure so-and-so is, is, is asking, maybe their manager asked them to, maybe they're doing it of their own volition, but they can't file a lawsuit against, <laughs> against the Wahlvorstand themselves in court. It's the company that's doing it and it's management that's doing us because they don't want worker empowerment of any kind, whoever's on the council. And so that, that's the message I tried to communicate um, to people. A, a lawsuit has been um, handed in. The first uh, court date is in November, I believe, middle of November. And luckily the, we have a lawyer to take care of those things. Um, we just have to try to 
there, there was a mix of people uh, like me who've been there since we started the invitation and some people we just met at the assembly. So our Wahlvorstand is all about sharing experiences, getting to know each other, how to work together, and then the kind of things we can do um, to, to spread the word about this, to um, make sure that the like elections happen, that everyone feels comfortable voting in, that everyone feels comfortable running as a candidate, that everyone feels uh, empowered to take part in. Disputes over the legitimacy of the Wahlvorstand that was elected continue to occupy the courts and in a later episode, I can give you more details. For now, let us return to the topic of the dual system of worker representation. Workers are represented in Germany only through independent trade unions and through works councils inside companies. The so-called worker collectives at Gorillas, Flink, Gettier and Lieferando in Berlin are not conventional trade unions in the sense that the term is understood in Germany's system of labor relations. Works councils are also not trade unions. In fact, the Betriebsverfassungsgesetz places on works councils an obligation to work in cooperation with the employer. No, the trade union is, uh, is the trade union and the trade union can um, um, bargain collectively and um, can call for a strike in the context of this collective bargaining, the trade union keeps the rights it has. Um, and the Betriebsrat, the Works Council, um, has some rights. It's rather that trade union action may limit what the Works Council can do because uh, in the, the hierarchy of norms, um, collective agreements are in a, a higher hierarchy than, than the norms that the Works Council can negotiate. Um, but but they are parallel in parallel. It's just in the specific situation, it can be difficult for workers and activists uh, to negotiate uh, these two um, these two ways of representing interests that are so different. Uh, but uh, they can work parallel. It's not going to be like a full picture, but. I mean, unions in general, you know, of course they want to, they, they have the, the idealist that they, they want to help workers. They want to, they're on the worker side, uh, most unions at least, um, I mean, I hope. Um, but, you know, unions also require number of people, a number of, like, they, they, they don't just come and, you know, represent you and I, you know, like, I mean, they could, you know, academics are unionized, of course, you know, they can as as you know through a university through an institution but you know i think when like a union does not just come to a couple of writers out on the street and say we want to represent your rights i don't think that's how the communication goes um you know in the case of gorillas for example i mean this is um gorillas already made you know wrote about this i think we also wrote about it in the fair report um you know one of the unions in Germany did approach the gorillas workers, especially after some of these like initial strikes, etc. After Santi, one of the workers got fired, and then gorillas workers started reunionizing or, or not reunionizing, organizing more. Um, it's, it was either the workers or the union that approached. I don't remember who approached whom, but um, the conversation was not fruitful based on what the workers have been telling. You know, not just me, but the news media as well. Because 
of two reasons. First, I believe that the the union told the workers not to go on a strike, which, you know, what they're saying is correct, legally correct. But the workers were like, but we need representation. And if we don't go on a strike, we're just going to keep on suffering and no one's going to hear our voice. And um, second um, is that the union wanted the workers to wait to you know, have a large enough worker body so that they can get representation, and then then through that they would be able to help them with running a you know forming a works council or having legal representation. You know, union is not just is not necessarily going to come to a you know worker body and then say we know you're struggling. Here's some help for you. You know, uh, maybe some unions do that. I don't think that's ha- that was the case with you know that's why a lot of the Organizing had to come from the grassroots, uh, from the workers that are on the ground, rather than having mediation mediated, being mediated by a union. A lot of community activists, a lot of community organizations, local organizations in Germany, did help with the process. Did have social, you know, like you know, bar nights, social nights, you know, reading uh, lectures, etc where they brought in different activists or different academics to come talk to them. The question of where to place the workers' collectives at Berlin's platform delivery startups in the context of Germany's dual system of worker representation came up quite starkly during Liefrando's Works Council elections during August of 2022. Competing against each other in that election were two lists of candidates. One of them was called Drivers and Riders Unite, and it was put forward by the NGG or Gewerkschaft Nahrung Genus Gastaten, which translates to the Food, Beverages and Catering Union. It is one of eight unions that are part of the DGB, the Deutsche Gewerkschaftsbund or the German Trade Union Confederation, which is the National Trade Union Confederation for Germany that is affiliated with the International Trade Union Confederation. In short, the Drivers and Riders Unite list was put forward by a trade union from the very mainstream of German trade unions. Contesting against this list was one that was put forward by the Lieferando Workers Collective. In a pamphlet that they distributed while campaigning for these elections, the Lieferando Workers Collective described themselves as follows. The LWC is a group of around 15 couriers who take action for change. Unlike other candidates and lists, we are couriers like you, which means we know firsthand what needs to change. We are not controlled by any union or outside interest. Stop quote. Mo or Moritz, whom we heard from on previous episodes, was a candidate on this list. Um, I would say our list is, is by the union list because we are a union of workers and we got um, even support, uh, external support from outside the company by other workers, uh, way more than uh, the union list. It was mainly supported by some union secretaries, like people who are, have paid positions in, in this union. But we got uh, voluntary free uh, solidarity um, help by other workers. And what is this if not a union? You know, like workers from uh, different companies support each other. Yeah. I'll ask a follow-up question, which is all over Europe, you find that 
traditional unions yeah. have struggled to really understand and represent uh, delivery riders movements and on the other hand it's been independent self organized collectives such as leaf rando workers collective which have been more successful mm-hmm. did this election teach you about why this is happening did this, this does this tell you something about why this is happening um yeah like i try to uh it's good to be most explicit about this but i'm convinced uh, um, i tried to explain it before uh, but uh, i'm convinced that uh, unions like the proper tools um, to organize in this field and again i i wouldn't say that new tools are needed um in the last years what we have been doing we were reminded again and again by people that unions used to do this uh, unions used to support workers um who lose their wages on any occasion be it you know repression be it uh, accidents uh, be it like uh, death um uh, be it some other kind of hardship and when you now talk to workers they ask themselves well, what do i get it's like a hard question as well to us um for me as well to answer but um my point is that unions stopped doing a lot of stuff that is very useful uh, and helpful for for these workers Uh, you know like when we come together we do not only talk about the company we work at and the wages that uh, they steal us and we are missing but as well about our homes our flats the places we live in uh, problems with um, insurances with legal status with like um visa and stuff and when workers don't get answers to these questions and help they drop out of the process and this was what makes the organizing process very unstable if you don't address these points um so yeah this is like a the broader perspective where i see unions not uh having enough um answers some uh, you know like some unions uh established like in cooperation with um, state funded organizations as well um structures that addresses but there's a disconnect these, these structures address these um needs on an individual level um and not collectively so individual workers go there and get help um but you need these structures uh, in an organizing process or you need to combine it you need answers but answers inside the organizing process um so there's maybe there some tools are there but they are not used in organizing they are used in you individually um getting help but not making connections with other workers just solving your problems it's like a standard problems of unions as well that they come like a service institution you know you pay your membership fees and they do something for you for it and basically solidarity is brought down to deciding where to spend money for good deeds or this is like it came up in our election process as well that this is understood as solidarity that i take uh, part of my wage and 
give it uh, to some structure and they I guess they spend it for a charitable cause. <laughs> Very strange definition of solidarity. Unions used to support workers who lost their wages on any occasion, be it repression, accidents or death, says Mo, who was elected to Lieferando's Betriebsrat from the list put forward by the Lieferando Workers Collective during elections that were concluded over a week starting on August 2nd, 2022. Nearly 200 workers voted at these elections that were held in five locations across the city. The Works Council that was established through these elections had 17 members. Of them, 11 belonged to the list put forward by the Lieferando Workers Collective, that is, the list that included more. The remaining seats on the Works Council went to the list put forward by the NGG. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Delivery Charge podcast. In this episode, through the stories of Ronnie at Gatier, Rob at Flink, and Mo at Lee Ferrando, we came across some of the questions before the workers organizing and mobilizing at these companies. We had a closer look at some parts of the law that governs labor relations at these companies. In the case of Gatier, we even came across what may have been an eye-opening attempt to quell the spirit of the Betriebs for Fazum's Gazettes. But that same story was also one about how a recent migrant from Kerala and India learned to fight a company valued at $20 billion. Some issues will continue to occupy us in future episodes of this podcast. Firstly, the position of such workers' collectives in the context of the dual system of worker representation that recognizes only trade unions and works councils. Secondly, why the Lieferando Workers' Collective fought an election against a list put forward by a trade union. And thirdly, why exactly it is that, in spite of the well-known limitations of works councils, such grassroots collectives are campaigning to establish more works councils. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to be notified when we publish this episode. Thanks to my guests Ronnie, Rob, Moritz, Ogu Zalinak and Dr. Efa Koker. Thanks also to the ICAS for their support for this podcast. And thank you all for listening.